Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. This morning we are going to be reading out of Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 20. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand." This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment. In all the toil with which one toils under the sun and few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Amen. So God, open our eyes that we can behold awesome things from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning, Hill City Church. See a handful of college students. Glad you guys stuck around. It's fall break. All your buddies will be back next week, but it's good to see those of you stuck in town. Love you guys. Hey, so we're going to talk about money today. So now's your chance. If you want to jet, you can. Um, If you're visiting, uh, I know maybe, maybe you woke up and was like, listen, I'm going to go to church. If they talk about money, that's all they ever talk about there these churches, money. Uh, If they talk about it, I'm out. Well, listen, give us a chance. Come back next week. Um, We do talk about money a lot here, but just you you will know the way we do it is we just go through books of the Bible, right? We don't just pick out topics really. And when it comes up, we talk about it, okay? You heard the passage. Uh, That's where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about money and wealth and joy and contentment and work, Uh, Before we do, let me throw a couple things out, okay? Now, right out of the gate, I'm just going to tell you these first two things I'm going to tell you. They're opinions. They're just opinions. But I think it might help you know, I I don't know, I I hope they'll kind of help you where I'm going with this passage, okay? Here's my first one, okay? Um, I like capitalism. I'm into it. Now listen, that's not some hidden political statement, okay? It actually, it's, I'm reading this passage and I'm like, okay, w- what we have going on in the, in the economic system that we live in now, like, that wasn't even a thought 
for the guys who are writing this. All right, when the, but, but what's awesome is that when the Holy Spirit breathed this out into the ink pen of the preacher, he knew what was coming and, and the country that we would live in, right? Now, this was written during a theocracy, but it is relevant for where we are today, and to me, that puts me in awe of God and his word, okay? So that, that, there's that. Um, I can't go to the Bible and dogmatically support uh, or, or speak against any particular economic system. I'm just telling you my opinion is uh, what my opinion is there. Which leads me to my next opinion. And I try not to do this very much, but I just think it's important. Here's my second opinion. Um, I don't believe that you can make too much money. Okay? What do I mean by that? I'm saying if you're making a living honestly, and if you're doing it honorably, who, who gets to draw that line is my question. I'm going to give you a few examples. I've got three examples of this, okay? Baseball people. Anybody know Clayton Kershaw? Ring a bell? Okay, this guy, he pitches for the Dodgers, and he has a skill set um, that, that no one else on the planet really has. I mean, this dude is a filthy left-hander, okay? Um, and he's compensated for that skill set. I think he makes roughly $90 million a year or something like that. Maybe $30 million a year for three, whatever, okay? I can't count that high. But, but if you know anything about him, he's a good dude. Like, he does a lot of great things. He loves Jesus. Like, from everything that I've read about him, I don't think he's tricking us. To him, I say, go get it. Right? What was he, what's he supposed to do? Like, no, I think I'll, I'll, take, I'll take 28 mil a year. Okay, well, no, what, well, I think you should take 20. I don't know. Who gets to draw that line? I don't think I do. I can't find that the Bible does. Here's another example. There's a guy. His name is Bill Mounts. Most of you don't know him unless you've taken seminary. Uh, and he wrote a textbook on biblical Greek or Koine Greek. I'm taking that class right now. This is the best textbook in, out there okay, to teach biblical Greek and English. Mounts is a genius. And he wrote a book, and, and listen, everywhere you go, that, that book is used, and seminary students are buying it, left and right. He doesn't even really teach anymore. He makes some videos, but he is still paid when that textbook is purchased. Now, what, are we, what, what should we tell Bill Mounts to do? Hey, guys, quit buying my textbook. Quit? I, mean, I don't know. I don't think we should. Here's another, a final example. I have a, a friend in Kansas City. Um, he actually came through a college ministry that Daniel and I used to work in, um, and he, he started at yard sales. I mean, this guy just got a gift. He just, he started at yard sales, getting stuff, selling on Amazon. Somehow, some way, he got to where he was selling, uh, supplements, workout supplements on Amazon, right? And a big box store, somebody offered him money for his brand and his stuff. So they cut him a check for $17 million, like, good for him. Now, here's the thing. He took a year off because $17 million. <laughs> but it's like he, and we'll talk about this in a minute, like we're made to work. So he, he's like, I can't just not do something. So you know what he did? He started another company with some health food. He's selling them like crazy on Amazon right now. He'll probably sell this company again. Who knows? It'll probably be for $80 million, knowing his life. And I'm like, okay, well, Good, awesome. Good for him. It's honest. It's honorable. 
I just don't think that we should renounce wealth. I think it's something that we need to talk about. It's something that should be stewarded. So those are just two opinions out of the gate before we dive into this passage. The first couple verses here in chapter 5 talk about actually our work. And there's a word that's brought up uh, in, in verse, verse 9. And it, and it says this. But this is gain for a land in every way. A king committed to cultivated fields. I want us to think about our work in light of this word cultivate. Our work as cultivation. When I say cultivation, I mean this. Like to make something better. To improve something. To develop something. Because our work is to cultivate. This started in the garden. Right? The wor- there was no sin, right? God created, it's all perfect, and here's what he says. He didn't need Adam and Eve to do this, he just gave them a task and he says, hey, make this place better. Cultivate it, work it, make it better. We're made to do this. Now, and let me just do my little marriage side note thing. Husbands, this is exactly what we're called to do with the hearts of our wives. We are to cultivate their hearts. We are, we are to uh, cause them to reach their potential, to help and develop and nurture it. It's the work of a husband. But we were made to cultivate. Hill City Church, how do you view your work? And here's the thing, I'm not, I'm not even talking like I'm out here changing people's lives. I'm not talking about that. So I watch tons of football. I love, I veg out on college football especially, okay? And, and here's what I noticed yesterday because of this sermon and it was in my head and I'm like, okay, if you look at the end zones, specifically on grass football fields, right, they paint those things, right? If you're home field, they'll put Georgia or whatever they put, in, or Bulldogs. Okay, they don't have to do that. The game can be played, yeah? Do you know... I think, that makes it, I think it makes the game better when an end zone is painted. I don't think it changes anybody's life. But that's cultivation. That's taking something and making it better. I'm talking about that. Do you view your work that way? I'm not necessarily saying you've got to be out uh, being a nurse or a teacher. I'm not even like where you're just directly affecting people's lives. That's great. That's part of it. But I'm just talking about your work That's cultivation. How do you view your work? See, musicians do this. Artists do this. Even like woodworkers do this. Right? They see something. Right? I'm not a musician. I'm not an artist. I'm not a woodworker. Okay? When Jesus comes back and all things are made new, I will be all three of those things simultaneously. I dream about it. Okay? I I can't do any of it, but it's one day. Okay? But a musician will take things on paper that looks like Chinese to me, and they could be like, hey, here's what this says, here's what this is telling me to do, but they really haven't done the work, but what, the, but what a great musician does is they'll cultivate that. They pull that out. They add music to it. They add melody to it. They add a rhythm to it. Man, that's beautiful, isn't it? Artists, they do this with paint. A woodworker, they see something that I would throw away and burn. That's a piece of crap. And they go, oh, no, no, there's, there's beauty there. I will pull it out. I will pull that beauty out. 
its work, and its cultivation. So whatever your job is, whatever you do here, do you view it as making things better or making something better? Because if you just view it as something you have to do, you're going to be miserable. If you just, and specifically out of this passage, if you view your work, and specifically the work you do that you get paid for, but this does include single mother or, or mothers of stay-at-home mothers and single mothers, things like that. Listen, that's beautiful work. You got to do. It. How do you need to view that properly? But the, but even the the work that you do that you are compensated for. If that's the only reason you're doing the work, you're missing it. I suggest if, if the way you're looking at your work is, well, it's just the thing I have to do to get money, then I, I would challenge you to do two things. The first thing I would challenge you to do is change your perspective on work. And if that doesn't help, maybe some of you might need to look into changing a job. But listen to me, don't go think you've got to change your job because you don't like your job. Change your perspective first. See it as making something better. It's cultivation. And the Bible would say this cultivation is toil. We're going to talk about toil at the end of this passage here. But that takes me to verse 10 and 11, which kind of goes along with what I said about if, how you view your work. If it's just about the money, then you're going to be miserable. Look at verse 10. said, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income this also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? So if your work is just about the wealth, if your work is just about the money, you're going to be miserable. You're never going to be satisfied. And I think that if you read verse 12, that attitude will also cost you some sleep. Because I think verse 12, I want to read it here in a minute, but I think it's kind of, it could go both ways. So let me read it, and then, then I'll tell you where I really think it hits, okay? Verse 12 says this. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So I think if, if all it is about the money and you're out just grinding just for the wealth, I think you're going to lose sleep. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that's exactly right where this verse lands and I don't think it even lands in a place where it's like you know if you're just the evil rich guy stealing from people earning your money uh, dishonorably you're going to lose sleep I don't think that's what that's talking about quite honestly I think a lot of the people in the world that we see that do live their lives that way they seem to sleep pretty well so what's this passage saying I think it speaks to this I don't think it's about the evil rich person that's stealing and, and being dishonorable. I, th I think it goes to the truth that to whom much is given, much is required. Like, like the old song from the 90s said in a very philosophical way, mo money, mo problems. I think that's what verse 12 is talking about. I think verse 12 is talking about the laborer actually gets to leave his work at work. So, so I'm going to mention three names here, okay? If you're from this area, these names are going to ring a bell. And if you're not, I'll explain it to you. Uh, you can come up to me afterward, okay? But I'm just going to mention three names, okay? 
and I'm not going to use first names, Mr. Morris probably rings a bell in this region. Mr. O'Reilly, Mr. Stack. Okay, th- these, are, these are some of the, the most prominent, uh, maybe best, you'd call businessmen uh, in the world, but they're from here. They're from here. Now, why did I bring those up? Okay, in light of verse 12, here's where I think verse 12 lands, okay? Those guys, and they're not the only guys in town, but those guys make decisions that directly affect literally thousands of people. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of families are affected by their decisions that they either make or don't make. Here's something else. All those guys, I I mean, I I don't know this like literally, but they are often asked for their wealth, for their money. Hey, will you give me money to do this? And these are good causes asked of good people. They come to, and I know that, that these guys have to say no. Okay, I think I sleep better than these guys. Because I don't have that weight. I think that's what verse 12 is getting at. I think it could go both ways, but I think it's getting at that. Because some of you guys are here and you think, man, I, I'd, love to have the, I'd love to have that money. I'd love to have that power. I'm not so sure that you would. Because it will cost you sleep. There's a weight that comes with it. And that takes us to verse 13. There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches are kept by their owners to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came. And shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. So go back to what I said earlier, and I, and I, and I still believe this. I, I don't believe that you can make too much money. I don't know how we draw that line, okay? But I think we can go to the Bible and say this with confidence, is that you can keep too much of it. I think that's a reality. Right? I think you go to the Bible because it's always about the heart, man. God goes for the heart all the time. And I just can't go to the Bible and say, well, okay, the having of the wealth, the having of stuff, whatever, just the having is not where the problem is. The problem comes in the hoarding. Here's what we can go to the Bible over and over and know this, like the good life is in generously giving. The good life is in sharing. First Timothy, New Testament, chapter 6, 17 through 19 says this, as for the rich... Okay, which, if I'm honest, is pretty much all of us in here. Okay, so don't think, oh, this is just for a group. Listen to me. On the grand scheme of things, this is for all of us. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. 
They are to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, without question, we can go to Proverbs. I mean, it, it, it talks to us about investing wisely. It talks to us about making good decisions with our money. And it talks to us about giving it. And we need to do that. But I just want to ask the hard question as you do some self-evaluation and you allow the Holy Spirit just to talk this morning. Are you keeping too much of your money? Okay. So if, if anyone came to your mind when I just said that, that wasn't you, your heart's in the wrong spot. Okay? Like I asked you if you're keeping too much, and if you thought any of the names I mentioned, if you thought, oh, this, listen to me. And, and we have a lot of uh, what I call YPs in this church, young professionals. Let me talk to you guys just for a minute. Okay, you're starting off, and, and you think this generous life is something you're going to do in the future after you get this promotion. After you put your time in, and I want to speak to you and let you know this generosity thing isn't just to who you think is rich. This is to you if you are a person of God, and the discipline of generosity actually starts today. I think when you get this discipline, you start to become a generous person, it will tangibly cause you to set your hope on God, and it will, it will lead you to take hold on what First Timothy tells us is truly life. So evaluate it. And this takes us to the last portion of our passage. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is a gift of God. Listen, we should be a people. I'm talking about the people of God in the room. We should be a people who are marked by joy. Just, I mean, I could go passage after passage. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 10. As glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. That's what we should do. Then you go to Psalm chapter 30. We sing a song with, the, with these lyrics in them, right? It says, you have turned uh, for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Like, that's us. We should be a people of joy, over big picture joy, but even out of, in light of this passage in Ecclesiastes, let me tell you what I think we must do, was that we not should just be a people of joy in general, we, we should be people who find joy in our work. We should be people who find joy or enjoy our wealth. Here's the reality, okay? Um, wealth gets a bad rap in Christianity a lot of times. Okay? It does, okay? One of the reasons, one of them, there, there are probably many, one uh, is because there are absolute lunatics out there um, who teach stupidity. Like, if you love Jesus, 
he will give you a bunch of money and you'll always be healthy. So, so that's part of the reason. But, but the, the, the reason that that teaching actually still works in 2020 is because there's, a, there's part of that that's actually true. And here, here's what I mean by that. God, God does bless some people with money and wealth. He does. It's not guaranteed. He definitely blesses us with health. We got here, that's God. Man, we're here today in good health, that's God. But he doesn't guarantee us that. But David, like David was, uh, uh, for lack of better terms, David was leading a worship service, right? And he talks to the creator of the universe in 1 Chronicles 29, 12, and he says this. Both riches and honor come from you, talking to God, and you rule over all. So there is a truth that God does bless some people with wealth. Now listen, I'm from a blue-collar, small-town Missouri, baby. Bon Terre, America. Some, some great people. But they're blue-collar. It's working class. Listen, they write country songs about people from where I grew up. Okay, and I love it. I love the people there. I love, I love the place. But here's the reality. Just a statistic, right? 70% of all the kids in the school district where I graduated from, 70% of them are on free and reduced lunch. So, I'm just going to be honest with you, like, I still fight some of this today, but like, I, I'm suspicious of wealthy people because of my upbringing. It's my problem. Here's the thing, I was raised in the church. And, and what's interesting is it seemed to me, I'm not, I'm not indicting anyone, I'm just saying it seems to me that most of what I heard about money taught in the church was actually not good. Well, like... Money wasn't well spoken of. And I, and I just can't find in the Bible where wealth and money are, where they're poorly spoken of. Well, you, you can get, in, get in and talk about the love of it and all that, but there were actually some rich people in the Bible. Okay, let me just throw out some names. Okay, a handful of these guys are in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Abraham was rich. Dude was loaded. David, King David. The guy who just told God, First Chronicles, hey, this comes from you. Solomon. Okay, here, here are some numbers for you. Let this blow your mind a little bit. If, if, if Solomon would have had what he had in today's money, here is how it went for him. Solomon made $560 million a year for 40 straight years. Okay, Brad, that's Old Testament. I know, I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament, too. You guys know of a guy named Joseph of Arimathea? Anybody? Okay. Rich. So rich that he owned a tomb that was for rich people to be buried in. And he donated it to our king, and a pretty significant event in human history happened right there. God indeed does give wealth. And let me tell you, it's okay to enjoy it. Furthermore, it's actually sinful if he's gifted you that and you don't enjoy it. Now listen, there's a verse in the Bible. It's actually in Ecclesiastes. And listen, here we believe the Holy Spirit inspired every word of Scripture, okay? I, 
somehow, some way, I read this verse out of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and I'm like, did, when he was breathing this out into the preacher's ink pen, did he have a hiccup? Did he hiccup as he was breathing? Because here's what Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says. It says, bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Is that supposed to be in the Bible? And I just think, here, I think here's what that speaks to, right? The whole world is, is basically about money. Like, that's just how things run. And if, when here at this church, we, we believe God is in charge of everything. He's in control. We call it sovereign. He is sovereign over everything. And, and, and the system we live in, in, in this world, is, is that money matters. Uh, I have found, let me give you two very profound statements, okay? I have found life to be much harder without money. It just is. So, so we have, we have a, a, we're getting ready to build a new home, to have our permanent home. Hopefully it can happen soon. Here's what I have learned. We will not get a new home without money. That's just kind of how the world works. See, the issue isn't the stuff or the wealth. The issue is the joy. How much stuff, how much wealth, I'll even go, how, are you wealthy in relationships? How much of that do you have that you do not enjoy? Right? I'm, I'm glad I did not have to saddle up a horse to come to church today. I got into a car, breeze right here, right here, here in 10 minutes. Man, do, do I get joy from that? Do I see it as a gift? Let, let me just tell you just this a quick story about joy, okay? So this summer, my kids and I, we went on a vacation, uh, and we flew. Uh, we were able to get plane tickets at a reasonable, so we flew, right? My kids, listen. They, they were like best friends on this trip, like an airport, the airplane. They were so pumped. And, he, and here, here's one of the things that they were the most fired up about, I kid you not. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. You're telling me they're going to give us a bag of pretzels on this plane? <laughs> and then they're going to follow that up with, I can pick my soda? Yes, you can. This is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> it's like the joy that they had in, in, in that. Right? Like next year, we're not, go, we're not even going to go to the beach. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly somewhere. I'm going to go to the airport. I'm turn around and get back on a plane and come back and tell my kids, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> They'll love it. Just, what, what do we have in this life that we're not enjoying so I do a lot of pre-marriage counseling right there's a couple that came to my office and man you could tell they were kind of like bouncing like that you guys have a great how was your week oh it was a great week really tell me about it like you have some breakthrough conversation like I'm thinking sweet man they've talked about the bible what got no 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 listen the coffee maker that we registered for we got it I said listen you are pumped about a coffee maker right now don't ever lose that the married people in the room you've been married 10 years or more listen think think about that do you remember the joy of a coffee maker see
See, here's our reality, church. Here's our reality. It's in America. It's in the church. We devalue the gifts that God has given us. And we think that we're entitled to Him. Or entitled to them. We don't see coffee makers the way we should see coffee makers after we've had one for 10 years. And if we don't do that, then if we don't devalue God's gifts, sometimes we overvalue God's gifts and we love them more than we should. That's called idolatry. And we need to see God's gifts, whether that's our wealth, whether that's our work, whether that's our stuff, we need to see God's gifts as appetizers. That's what they are here on this planet that should put us and stir in us an awe for greater gift. Because here's the pattern. Here's the pattern of so many lives. Is we, we be, we're guilty. We become guilty of, of over-loving, overvaluing. And then our pursuits change, right? We, we, we stop working to make things better and we start working for stuff to get more of the stuff that we overvalue. And the reality is that when we do that, enjoyment and joy becomes impossible and we become stressed, we become overwhelmed, we become overmedicated, we become insecure, we become greedy. Which takes me to verse 20. And our final verse, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that word occupied. Let me ask you this question. Hill City Church, people of God, what occupies you? I didn't say what is your occupation. I didn't say what do you do for a living. I didn't ask you what your work was. I said what occupies you? Because we have Jesus, right? And Jesus talked a lot about work. Jesus talked a lot about money. He talked more about money than he did work. But neither of them ever occupied him. Why? He was occupied with something greater. He was occupied with his father's business. He was occupied with a mission. And it actually led him to be content. Maybe that's really what we're talking about here today is contentment or lack thereof. You see, it's contentment. Is when, we, when we are not content is when we lose our joy. It's when we have that attitude of, well, n- enough is never enough, and then, then that's when we become enslaved. I think Jesus wants to free us from that. So what if this were true, what if God kept me so occupied with joy in my heart that I start loosening my grip on the stuff, the wealth, the work? I, th- I think it's there where we will experience contentment. So here, here's what I love as you, as you walk out of here today. I always do this. I always sit with uh, Royce Moore as I'm doing sermons. And then one of the things we talked, okay, when people are walking out of the theater today, what are you, what are you hoping they think about? Here, let, me, let me give you three things. I, I want you leaving here today to start seeing your work and understanding your work as cultivation. It's a gift from God. And it actually is making things 
better. Secondly, I want you to see your money and understand your money and, and, and where its place is in your life, its proper place. If you, if, you, if you have wealth, I don't think you should feel guilty about that. I just want you to put it in its proper place. And then finally, as you walk out of your day, I would hope this. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to know that he's better than all of it. He's better than your work. He's better than your wealth. He's better than your stuff. And, and I think I can say this dogmatically, support it with Scripture, is that Real joy and true contentment's not ever going to be reached apart from Jesus. That's what I want you to evaluate this morning. Let's pray.